the second time when I gave birth, I felt like I was giving birth to both of them at once. If I didn't have the hard first birth, I would never appreciate this birth. I would never have the context to know that this was miraculous. Having that tribe in your room with you is just so, so healing. And, and it basically allows you to look over any other things that went wrong. It's not like everything was so perfect. I could find little things that the nurse said that was rude, that my 20 year old self giving birth would have been so sensitive to. But here it was like this package deal. It didn't matter. It's not that I didn't hear it. It was just irrelevant to me because everything else that was important was going right. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to episode 65 of the Happy Birthway Podcast. For this episode, I am so excited to finally be bringing you an interview. It's been quite a while since we've had some interviews on the podcast, and I am really excited to let you know that there are some great ones coming up. One quick announcement before we start the interview, I am happy to announce that I will be holding a live virtual workshop on February 28th, which is Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on self-advocacy in birth. It is going to be a 90-minute workshop that is going to take place over Zoom live. If anybody is not going to be able to make it to the workshop at that time, you can still sign up because you will receive a recording that you will have accessible for 30 days after the workshop. After the 90-minute workshop, there's going to be a 30-minute Q&A so you can ask me all of your questions. You can sign up by going to yolwedditacademy.com. You'll see the announcement right at the top. You can also click on the link in my episode show notes. I will include it there as well. And I just wanted to bring to your awareness that Self-advocacy and birth is so important. If you're having your first baby, please do not make the mistake of just saying you're going to go and do whatever your doctor or midwife or the staff in the hospital tells you to do. Because once in a while, that does actually work out for people, but a lot of times it doesn't. Unfortunately, it did not work out for Chaya, whose story you're going to be hearing in this episode. And sadly, she came out of her first birth with a lot of trauma and had to do a lot of work in order to prevent similar things happening for her second birth, which I had the honor of attending to help her with that self-advocacy. I will be sharing lots of tools and methods on how you can best advocate for yourself, both during your prenatal care and also in the hospital. I've worked in the hospital for quite a while. I've worked in several hospitals and I really see what works and I see what doesn't. And I will be including both of those 
in the workshop. And self-advocacy does not mean being entitled. It does not mean being demanding. But what it means is, is communicating effectively, making sure that your voice is heard and that there's mutual understanding between yourself and your birth care team and participate in making decisions around your care. And it's also making sure that you know all of your options because not always are you told all of your options And not necessarily because your provider is a bad provider. We're all human and we can't all remember everything. Even if you cannot attend the workshop, I am giving out a free guide of 30 phrases that you can use to advocate for yourself in birth. 30 amazing phrases. Each one brings up a different important point that you can use as a springboard to communicate with your doctor or your midwife or the staff in the hospital. It is completely free. All you have to do is go to yoladidacademy.com. Scroll to the bottom. You can get the guide by subscribing to my email list. I will put the links for both the workshop and the free guide in the episode show notes. And now, enjoy Chaya's story. Welcome, Chaya, to the Happy Birthday Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Happy birthday on your baby. Yeah, it's so nice that it happened to be that we're recording this at her basically first birthday. Um, Like I was still in the hospital this time last year. So it's like literally fresh, you know, she's one year and it's a great time to really reflect and discuss this topic. Yeah, yeah. And I had the honor of joining you for the birth, which- That was, it was such a dream come true. Thank Um, you. I actually would like to to preface and, and discuss how we met because I think that it really will um, tie everything together as to um, how that, like what phase in the healing process I met you and how both parts of the healing were so critical to that end result. So, um, so basically um, I won't go into detail about um, the birth trauma part just yet, but it was obviously um, birth trauma. I didn't even consider having another baby like ever. Um, I was kind of um, okay with it. I came to terms with it, you know, Um, that obviously my health was more important than another child. And um, obviously it was like a stage of grief, um, but I can't like really came to terms with it. Um, But then- So to clarify, when you say trauma, do you mean emotional trauma, physical, psychological trauma, or all of it? All of it, all of it together. Mm -hmm. And um, I came, like I was totally um, in that phase um, of just accepting, not denying, just accepting my phase. And that was like five years of just living with the reality that I will just have one child for my whole life. And that that's my, that's my fate. Um, And then um, after my son turned five, that's when I started feeling like I might be able to do this, not necessarily feeling like I am capable, but I was starting to feel curious if I'm able to. Mm -hmm. And around that time, this is where I met you. This is like a crazy, a crazy, crazy story. I don't know if I 
mentioned it to you in detail, but um, around this time when I started feeling curious, if I am able to um, pursue this again, um, I had a dream that I um, was in a hospital and I felt extremely cared for. And it wasn't even clear why I was in the hospital. Like, it wasn't like I knew I was giving birth in my dream. You know how certain details aren't clear when you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. And um, then I woke up and I wanted to go back into my dream. You know, when the dream is so good, you want to go back into um, that state. And I couldn't go back. And it was like, wait, how do I get back in the dream? And then I started realizing, wait, so I was giving birth and, and I was just having such a good experience. I basically connected it after the dream, after I woke up. Um, and then after that, it was like, I think a few weeks or like a few months at most that I was scrolling Instagram and I found you doing a live. And I was like, wait, this is the lady from the dream. <laughs> this is her. Oh my God. She doesn't know it, but she's going to be like too live. Like the weirdest, weirdest thing I'm telling you. And, um, and then as you remember, we started talking a lot and I was very active on the lives, asking all these different questions. And I basically knew in that moment that, that you were like my messenger and, and I was going to have a baby soon. Wow. Um, so you had been, like you said, very active, very much, uh, very early on from when I started my Instagram account and very supportive. And you had a lot of amazing things to say. And we spoke once or twice before you got pregnant. And then once you got pregnant, you said to me, like, I, you, you know, messaged me. I really want you to be my birth coach. And I'm a registered nurse. I'm not trained as a doula. So I like to call it birth coach because I just want to be transparent in that I'm not an actual doula. And I said to you, like, I really just don't do this. I don't know how it's going to be possible. I live far away from where you're going to be giving birth. And you were relentless. You did not let me off the hook. You kept saying, I'm going to work with everything just please. And I, I didn't even know how the process worked of going about doing this for someone. But I have so much respect for you, Chaya, because talk about manifestation, like talk about manifesting yeah. how you want things to go. I've, I don't think I've ever seen someone manifest so much in their life because literally this is what happened. And it was a crazy story. And I, I'm really glad that you convinced me to do this. It was a phenomenal experience for myself too. It's a different role than being a nurse. And I loved it so much. I love that it's just, it was just like the emotional support and just building that relationship with you throughout your pregnancy. And I have to thank you for, for getting me out of my comfort zone and making me do this. I don't do this often for everybody listening. I, I'm I'm now going to get a deluge of emails, but, um, <laughs> and I feel like it needs to be a good fit. I'm actually in 
talks with maybe a potential second client that I might have. And there are a lot of things that have to fall into place to do this, but I'm so glad I did it. And sometimes I wish I can do it just, you know, full time. So I don't think I told you about the dream till after you did. No, 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 no. You did. You told me during, (laughs) you told me, I remember driving to work and you telling me, I have to just tell you, you said to me, I cannot, (laughs) describe it to you, but I had a dream that you were going to be there at my birth. And then I, I met you shortly afterward and, and we had established a relationship already. We had spoken on the phone yeah. before you were pregnant because yeah. you, know, you So actually to backtrack, um, I was in contact with you before even getting pregnant. And I basically told you like, I'm at the stage where I'm ready to move on and get pregnant again, post birth trauma. Um, but I, I really can do it when I have an amazing team. Do you know of any amazing doctors, um, like in the city who works with Lenox Hill? Because I heard that Lenox Hill was amazing for birth, which they are. And you literally came together with like a few contacts for me to research within like two weeks. I was so impressed. And literally after doing that, I already knew that I have like my whole team. So that really helped me feel confident to just take that leap of faith because I felt like I did my part. I I prepared a new scenario, you know, a new, a new uh, like masterpiece that's going to be different from the other one. I had a lot of respect for that because you were very active in your own self-advocacy. You really examined all the parts of your first birth that were difficult and you sought out to change that and to support yourself with the best care team possible that included the hospital you were giving birth in your doctor, um, you know, your family members in whichever ways that they were able to help, not necessarily actual labor, but before and after. And, you know, myself as a birth coach and I, you're a role model, for many people in that sense. And sadly, also a lot of people make the mistake with their first birth of not really thinking about it. And they just say, I'll do whatever my doctor or midwife tells me to do. Exactly. And I actually want to um, emphasize um, that part of creating the second amazing birth um, required me to be super honest with myself and also blame myself for what I did wrong. You know, we always want to blame other people, um, the doctor, the nurse, you know, but I am the one that allowed myself to land in my, nobody else. Do you know what I mean? It was me. So it, so at the end of the day, yes, bad hospitals are always going to exist, but we have to take responsibility for ourselves and do that research beforehand. We can't go into a bad situation and then blame everyone. So I think taking responsibility was the number one uh, thing that helped me heal. And I like the word responsibility better than blame because a lot of times people just don't know. You learn things from your first birth that going forward, you realize, hey, these are things that are in my control. This is what I can actually learn about. This is what I should be learning about. Um, this, These are my resources that I can research. 
a lot of times we're just, we don't realize what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know, but taking accountability and saying, I'm not just going to be a victim here. I'm going to see what I can actually do myself to improve my next experience. If I'm going to have another baby and I want it to be healing. And, um, you know, I just also want to bring up that People can do all the research in the world. They can set up everything right. And I hope that things turn out for them in the beautiful way that they turned out for you. You can pick the best hospital, but there can be circumstances out of your control where you can get that one nurse that's just having a really bad day and, you know, is not as supportive or your doula gets sick with COVID. We we just have to quickly cover that story in a little bit, but, and, and, you know, things can be out of their control as well. So there is still a certain level of surrender that one has to have, but at the same time, realizing what is within your locus of control, what is within your power to do for yourself. Exactly. And I think that expanding on your point that when things go wrong, but you know that you tried your best and you literally exhausted every single option to give yourself the best experience, you're not going to suffer as much as when you didn't do that work. So, you know, you did your part the rest is up to God and it's up to God always. And that's what I went in with the second time, my whole pregnancy. It was like telling myself that I'm doing my best, but the rest is up to God. There's still that part of the equation that will never ever go away. Exactly. But you don't have the second guessing. You don't have the haunting feelings of ready. So healing because you've already surrendered. So That whole birth trauma, if you really dissect what it is, it's that um, that inability to surrender um, to to that um, to all that happened Um, for rightfully so. I, I, I experienced it myself and I know how hard it is to surrender to to such horrible situations. But basically, when you go into it again with the mind frame of surrender, after you've done everything you can, that's already a recipe for success. Literally everything that was damaging in the first birth was healing in the second birth. And I also noticed that if I didn't have the hard first birth, I would never appreciate this birth. I would never have the context to know that this was miraculous. My first birth, I was in labor for, I think, like over 30 hours. Um, And it was never ending. There was nobody helping me with epidurals. I was literally tied to my bed in pain and nobody was coming to help me. The epidural wasn't working effectively. It wasn't working. The nurses did not care. And as a patient, you take all that very, very personally. That whole period before you give birth is going to affect that first hour of bonding. And when you don't have that, you don't get to bond or enjoy the moment. You're focused on survival. And am I alive? Like you're focused on yourself instead of your baby. And the real golden hour that everyone dreams of and that thank God I got with my second birth is that euphoric feeling that like nothing else matters aside from the baby in front of you. And that is a sign 
of a healthy birth that you were nurtured, cared for, that everything just went together. If you have been struggling with nausea and vomiting from your pregnancy, Emiterm might be the answer for you. Emiterm is a safe and effective anti-nausea wristband that prevents and relieves nausea and vomiting induced by pregnancy or motion, such as car and boat rides. It releases a low-frequency pulse that travels through the body's nervous system to the part of the brain which controls the stomach. This interrupts the nausea signal pathways. Emiterm is FDA-cleared and designed to put you in control when you need drug-free therapy with no worries about potential side effects. Users can choose from five levels of intensity to achieve the best effect. The unique wristband design holds the device in place and makes it easy to put on and take off. It is FSA and HSA eligible, comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and a one-year warranty. Go to emmaterm.com, that's E-M-E-T-E-R-M.com, and use code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 20% off of your purchase. You can find the link in the episode show notes. Having a fussy, nonstop crying baby can take all the joy out of motherhood. Is it gas? Is it constipation? Is it colic? It's hard to know, but there is a solution for all of those. Happy Tummy is a waistband that comes with an herbal pouch. When you microwave the pouch and apply the waistband to your fussy baby, your baby is instantly soothed. That's thanks to natural formulation of herbs, including flaxseed, chamomile, lemongrass, peppermint, spearmint, and lavender. Happy Tummy is all natural, no drugs or drops. And not only does it quickly soothe your baby, but it smells terrific. Happy Tummy also has adult-sized waistbands, which mothers love for cramps, stomach aches, and back aches. Use my code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off your whole order on happytummy.com. That's H-A-P-P-I-T-U-M-M-I.com. Code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off. I, I want to emphasize that, like you said, there are some women that have, you know, what looks like a straightforward, nice birth, even they feel care for it, and they still will not feel those bonding feelings with their baby in the beginning. And that's normal. So they shouldn't feel like what's wrong with me. But at the same time, there are women that can feel that beautiful feeling, but like you felt with your second birth, but that was robbed from them because they were mistreated. And like you said, they were just in such a fight or flight mode that they couldn't feel that joy that came after. It felt so horrible that moment of not bonding the first time the second time when I gave birth I felt like I was giving birth to both of them at once everything that it didn't come natural for me that in that first moment kind of came out in that moment it was like this retroactive process that was very very meaningful and the fact that I was able to be so calm at the birth. Obviously it's terrible pain no matter what, but I was in a headspace that I'm safe. I knew pain was coming. So it wasn't a shock to me. It was that I wasn't suffering. I felt so empowered. Like I felt like the lioness. I can't even explain it. it- yes, you, you were. <laughs> and that's how women should feel. At the end, they didn't want to refill the epidural. And mm-hmm. I knew that if you weren't there, they wouldn't have given it to me. I just knew. And I saw that like they were hesitant, but when you basically spoke to her, it all just came together and it changed that whole greeting with my daughter. I was able to greet her in the most loving way where like she was the only thing that mattered. It wasn't about me. It was only about her. And 
you know, everything that I wanted to feel, I felt because of that support. And I want to hold space for the fact that some women can find it very traumatic to give birth without an epidural when that is their plan and that is their desire. Right. And I think it's even more traumatic um, when the epidural does not work. And I have to give you so much credit for the fact that you stopped. You said, I'm not pushing. I'm not doing anything right now until I can see the anesthesiologist so yeah. that we can determine what's going on. You you did try to push a little bit in the beginning and the pain was so severe and it had been controlled earlier. The hard part is, is that at the end, uh, there are some people that will feel a lot um, and that's not always something that an epidural can take away, but you knew yourself and you knew what yeah. you wanted and you knew that it might be something that might happen that it won't take the pain away. But you said, I, this is what I want. This is what I need. And as much as I spoke at the end of the day, it's really the patient. It's really the woman that needs to speak up and trust her gut and trust her intuition. And you were a real shining example of that. You stopped pushing. You said, I want to see the anesthesiologist. I give the credit to you because I would have never found my voice if I didn't see you there. It was Uh, teamwork. My husband is such a sweet person. He can't be the mean one in a scenario or be confrontational. Um, So he can give me the support that I needed in other ways, but not that way that I needed you after seeing the results of having a birth with with a doula. I really, really strongly promote it. Definitely has to be a match. um, But once you found your match, like stick to it. (laughs) It takes a village. It's a birth team. And actually, this is the first time I'm saying this, but I am shortly coming out with a workshop on self-advocacy. Not everyone always has access to a doula or um, people have access to other friends, family, their husbands may be able to do that for them. Um, But it's really knowing and understanding and learning where and how to do it um, most effectively. Because sometimes it can come off as antagonistic toward the hospital staff and they can they do have more power than a a patient and they can make choices or decisions that may negatively impact a patient just unfortunately um, on the premise of them wanting to have that power over the patient, somebody that's really that you feel like can help you find your voice and help you assert yourself and help validate that your needs are important and uh, they are right now of priority. That would be so helpful for so many people who can't have a doula. You were quite overdue, but you were really not wanting to have an induction. You really felt like your baby, you wanted her to be born at the time that she was meant to come into the world, you know, spontaneously. And um, you were getting quite late. And I know that your doctor was recommending an induction, but you also advocated for yourself in a very collaborative way with your doctor, not in an antagonistic way, but in a very collaborative way. And you found a doctor that was willing to listen to you and really work with you. You had this plan that even if you would go past whatever the typical standard guidelines are of induction, you would continue to get extra monitoring. And as long as your baby looked good, you can continue to wait, which I think is fabulous because 
that's something that you really wanted and you were able to make sure that your provider was on board and and felt that that was a good decision for you personally, your personal situation. Um, I did also do all of the other things um, that they were recommending. Um, When you do your part, you can really say the rest is up to God and you feel that lightness in your heart when you say that. So I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to have a natural birth. If I do all these steps and it has to be an induction, that's the will of God. I have nothing in the way. So I was kind of nervous because, you know, I was keeping in touch with you and um, with with my work schedule. I just wanted to make sure that I was available to you. I altered my work schedule quite a bit during those weeks that you would do. But again, they're, they're weeks. They're four or five weeks span that you can give birth in. I had been out of work for about a week already um, anticipating your birth and we were in touch and it was the Omicron wave and like all of my coworkers were dropping like flies with COVID and I also just felt like I wanted to not be in that environment because I, I had to preserve myself, make sure I didn't get sick. So I was careful. I was away from work for like a week. We had been looking at the policy like literally every day or every other day Every time you would go to your doctor, I would tell you, just confirm with your doctor what the rules are that you can still have me as a coach. And I have my vaccine card and we would look at the policy online just to confirm everything and everything looked good. And then when you finally went into labor, second time labors tend to be faster and I had a drive. And so when we finally determined that it was time to go in, I was driving, it was evening time and I called the hospital just to find out what their policy was regarding when I can come to join you, whether you had to wait in triage to be admitted or whether I can join you in triage. And the clerk that answered said, just make sure to have your um, COVID test results with you. And I said, oh, I have my vaccine card. Your policy says that I can have um, either either one. And they said, no, you have to have both. And um, I said, I'm sorry, but that's not what the policy that's published online says. Well, that's the policy that we've been following and we have it published, you know, within our network. And I'm so glad that I had that foresight to call. I went into full gear. I said, I need to speak with your manager. This is not what we were told. I would have gotten tested had I known, but I I didn't know. And I spoke with the assistant manager. I It escalated to the manager and they were just really honestly trying to push me off and making up things, arguing about what the policy that was published online and pulling up a different policy when there was clearly a policy for the health network. Now, granted, Lenox Hill is part of a large health network. So it's possible that there are other hospitals within that health network that this policy applied to. And Lenox Hill maybe had their own individual policy, but there was nothing published and your doctor said nothing of it. And so when I spoke with your manager, I said, listen, I, 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 there's nowhere for me to get tested. Like this is 8.30 PM at night. I can't find a place until I get my results and I, I can't miss your birth. Um, and she was just going on, well, you can get tested and wait eight hours for results. I said, this is like, do you understand birth? Your uh, nurse manager on the unit. You understand that this is a second birth, that she is having her second baby. It's going to go faster. She's in active labor. They said, send us a copy of the policy. I was going to pull pull over on the highway to send a copy of the policy when it turned out 
they were like, yeah, so we can, you know, for further research. What was upsetting is that these managers were trying to just get me off their back. They weren't really trying to work with me. This was like a 45 minute saga that was going on. But at a certain point, I said, I have to ask you to ask your doctor. This is another form of self-advocacy where you had been in contact with your doctor. Your doctor knows you well. You had been telling your doctor what the plan was. Your doctor was telling you about the policy. And so, yes, your doctor advocated for you. And right. And the whole pregnancy, it was like the having a doula was the number one thing I was discussing with her to avoid a future birth trauma. And I told the nurse managers, too, I said, this is somebody who has an extensive history of birth trauma and who needs a coach at her side and who has been planning this for a long time. And so the policy at the hospital at that point was that they would test one support person, the primary support person, which was going to be your husband. So they would let them in and then they would, you know, uh, to the COVID test and it resulted in a few hours and your doctor advocated for you. And they said, we'll test both of your support people. And that's how I was able to come in with you. And the funny thing is, is they kept telling me on the phone, well, the doulas know that this is our policy. Like you should know. I said, listen, I live in Connecticut. I don't know if I'm ever going to be here again. I'm not going to tell any doulas <laughs> that I got an exception. I, I'm not going to do any of this. Like I'm literally just coming for this. I said, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I understand where you I understand where the policy stems from and safety. And I would have gotten tested. I'm not being antagonistic. I have an N95 mask that I'm fitted for because I'm a healthcare professional that I have with me that I will wear throughout the entire time. And so they were finally, you know, gave in and said that I can also come in with the test. Um, fast forward quite a few hours later when you were pushing and really almost close to delivering. Yeah. I, I was that person that put up this whole fuss and ended up being positive for COVID. Now you were pushing, so they didn't tell you yet at that point. And I was just... I cannot even describe the feelings that I had of like, firstly, oh my gosh, did I put you at risk and, you know, you and your baby? And secondly, like, oh my gosh, I, I put up so, so much of a deal. I mean, you know, all of us did and for coming from a very naive place, you know, I wasn't symptomatic. There was no reason for me to think I, I, that I had had COVID. I had been out of work for quite a few days, no exposure. And um, it was asymptomatic COVID. And who knows how long I had had it for? I mean, COVID can result in these PCR tests for three months. So who knows how long I had had it for and if I was really still infectious. But whatever the case may be, I looked at your doctor with like tears welling up. And there was one nasty nurse and um, she was one of the whole crew. She was just really nasty throughout the entire time. She wasn't your primary nurse, but she kept coming and going. But the nursing staff that I was working with, they were grateful because they felt like I was really um, helping them out and doing, yeah. all the stuff, you know, doing all their dirty work, so to speak, like yeah. just making their job easier. Yeah. I wasn't, sometimes a doula can take on a stereotype. Sadly, there are some doulas that will interfere too much. I wasn't doing that. I was actually really being helpful. So they were grateful. They liked me when whoever it was came in to say that I was, I was positive, you know, that nasty nurse was like, you know, given the eye rolls and everything like that. Yeah. And I looked at your doctor and you were literally really close to giving birth. And it had been a difficult past like hour or two. Yeah. And she's like, don't worry, you could stay. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you've been really helpful. Like you've been here until now. Before we continue, I wanted to let you know about a revolutionary diaper brand called Diaper, 
D Y P E R. These eco friendly diapers are made with viscose from bamboo, so they're soft on your baby's skin while still being extra absorbent to handle your baby's biggest accidents. Diaper wants to pass on the savings directly to you by cutting out the middleman. They ship your diapers to you for a low, predictable price with no extras or gotchas. Set your subscription and let them deliver the exact quantity you need. If you need more, they'll deliver them promptly with their exclusive SOS service. If you need less, send them back with a prepaid label. You can precisely manage your deliveries using their website or their mobile app. One of the products that I think is really cool is their diaper sense. It's a small sensor that you attach to your baby's diaper and it continuously monitors the temperature and humidity surrounding their skin. It will help you optimize your diaper changes, reduce overall diaper use, and may help reduce instances of skin rash due to prolonged exposure to moisture. All you do is snap it to the outside of the diaper and connect it to diapers app. It will notify you when number one or number two happens. Subscribe through the link in my show notes and you will get a free bonus diaper bag just for trying them out. You can cancel any time with no obligation, but still keep the bag. KiwiCo crates are a monthly subscription of crates that come filled with age-appropriate STEAM projects for kids, from toddlers to teenagers and even adults. STEAM stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Every crate explores a different theme designed to spark creativity, thinking, and learning. All projects, inspiration, and activities are created by a team of product designers in-house and rigorously tested by kids. KiwiCo offers all different product lines spanning a variety of interests and age ranges. Panda Crate is for babies from 0 to 24 months. Each crate helps babies learn by doing what they do best, playing, exploring, and most importantly, interacting with the people in their lives. Crates arrive every other month and are filled with two months worth of content. So if you're trying to figure out what a developmentally appropriate way to interact with your baby is, Panda Crates will take the guesswork out. For an exclusive 30% off discount on your first month subscription, go to kiwico.com, that's K-I-W-I-C-O.com, and enter code LEARN30 at checkout. That's kiwico.com, code LEARN30 at checkout. I put on a second mask with like a face shield and I stayed at, at the foot of your bed, continuing to coach you. You and your husband were not told yet at that point. And that nasty nurse, after you gave birth, that nasty nurse just went ahead and took the liberties of telling you. It was so weird. Like- and I was actually considered a patient now at the hospital. So she technically, she violated my privacy, my patient privacy. There, there was HIPAA now attached to it. And I looked wow. at her and I said, that was my information to tell her. Well, she has to know she's exposed. I said, I know. And that's my information to tell her, not yours. Um, so, and then the best part, Chaya, the best part is that she was trying to be, you know, vindictive. So she looks at you and she's like, well, now you're going to have to stay in your own room with your baby. And you're like, I'm yeah. so happy. <laughs> so that first night they put me in this weird room. And then because I was exposed, um, considered exposed, they put me in this VIP room that they actually wanted to bill me for like $4,000 after. And then they waived the whole fee because we were like, we were put in here. It wasn't our choice. So it ended up being such a blessing in disguise. I got the VIP room 
without having to pay for it. My so, gosh. Yeah. It was it was awesome because like the nurse was trying to like make you upset that you're it was actually sick. like your magical power. Like you <laughs> not only gave me the the magical birth, but you gave me the magical room with privacy. You know, you don't have to share it with anybody. You have your own space, you know, postpartum. is so, It's like such a vulnerable stage. You just want to um, be alone. You don't want anyone seeing you in that state. Yeah. And thankfully I didn't give you COVID because honestly, that was really my biggest fear. I was really very um, concerned, you know, for the few days after the birth. Um, And you were, you were adorable because I, when I told you I burst out crying, because I just felt so horrible that you were exposed and you were like, I'm so happy you didn't get tested before because then you wouldn't have been able to be at my birth. (laughs) Yeah, but that was literally how I felt because I knew that I could not have done that birth without you. You manifested like so much in your birth. It's incredible. Manifesting is really how we edit the settings in our brain. I was telling myself a new dialogue. I was disassociating from my first experience and saying that is not going to repeat itself What is my new dialogue? And I constantly told myself my new dialogue, but all logically made sense. And it all happened that way. Um, This whole entire year, I was looking back, scrolling back to January 14 photos to relive my birth. I remember like right after giving birth, the stark contrast between my first and second was when I gave birth. I was like, oh my God, I could totally do this again in my head. And after my first, I was like, wow, I have to come to terms with just having one. A a woman will never forget how she was made to feel at birth. She can be 85, 90 years old. She will never forget. And I think for you, this was so redeeming. You felt like you were stripped of your power with your first birth. You were not listened to. Your concerns were minimized. And you feel like you gave birth to both of your children with the second birth because you were able to reclaim that power that was stolen from you with your first birth. Having that tribe in your room with you is just so, so healing. And, and it basically allows you to look over any other things that went wrong. Like, it's not like everything was so perfect. I could find little things that the nurse said that was rude that I, that my 20 year old self giving birth would have been so sensitive to, but here it was like this package deal that was just like, I didn't, it didn't matter. It's not that I didn't hear it. It was just irrelevant to me because everything else that was important was going right you were feeling the same physical sensations with your first birth as with your second birth, but how you felt about it. I understood that this is what I felt the first birth, but it wasn't because it didn't have the suffering element to it. It was like, even if they don't give me epidural now, I'm still going to get through this. I'm still going to have an amazing golden hour. We kind of underestimate how much reframing our mind um, is so powerful. So like, even when things were very rough during the labor, even though it was super short, it was still very painful moment. And I was just telling myself, no, I was created for this. Hashem made me like this for this moment. It was for this very moment. So it was that I was constantly telling myself and, and motivating myself. Aside from all the other motivation I was getting from you and the nurse and the doctor, it was really 
I had to have strength over my, my mind. Um, I feel like um, preparing for the birth um, happens in a few ways. So there's the doula aspect and there is, for me, preparing the nursery was vital. I, to make a real space in my heart, I needed to see that crib for like a few months before. I needed to see the wallpaper. I went all out. It was just to me like, that opportunity to really make a new beautiful page in my book. Also, I had a psychologist that I was meeting with weekly over Zoom. That was so helpful. One other thing that I think is very, very important for those that struggled with birth trauma is that it's very important to surrender to the stage of grief and giving yourself time. That stage of just acceptance and coming to terms with, oh, I don't even know if I'll be able to have another baby is just as important as the stage when you're finally ready and curious if you're ready. Those two are equally important. The time in, in between births and then the preparing for the second birth are literally, I can't even tell you which one's more important. They're both very, very important. You have, it can't be like, oh, the next year, suddenly you wake up, oh, I'm ready. And you're kind of forcing yourself to be ready. Only you know if you're ready. People say, no one's ever ready. You just have to go for it. And it's not true. You might not know that you are ready, like, oh my, I can do it today. But you'll feel close to ready. And when you feel that close to ready, it could be a few years later. It could be even more than that. For me, it was... I think um, like five and a half years later that I was ready to explore. I have a lot of respect for the fact that you did not feel peer pressure living enough from community with people around you, having babies closer together and having larger families. And when you felt like getting pregnant would be a threat to your physical, mental, emotional health, you did not let the peer pressure get in the way of doing something that might be damaging and harmful to you? Um, it was extremely hard. I always describe it as circumstantial infertility. You have a choice, like, yes, Baruch Hashem, your body is physically able to carry a baby. Thank God, the biggest bracha in the world. You need both the physical and mental state to come together to have it in a happy and healthy way. Um, it wasn't easy. I was literally, people would ask me all the time, your son is getting so big. What's going on? It felt sad, but I knew that my day was going to come and it wasn't now. I knew I was in the healing phase. So I really, really embraced that healing phase as much as I can. Well, firstly, it's nobody's business, but unfortunately, lots of people <laughs> will continue to talk about it. I think a great response is yeah, Davin for me, Davin for me. <laughs> because, you know, Davin that I should be ready to have another baby. It may not be actual physical infertility, but it may be circumstantial infertility because I have so much trauma and I feel like it would be a threat to my health to get pregnant again. So yeah, Davin for me. <laughs> yeah, and I actually did um, Davin for that. When Remember I was telling you that I was... Um, that there's that phase. I knew that I was beginning to feel ready, but I didn't know that I was like ready. Um, and then I found this baby toy on the way back from a flight that basically 
we everyone got canceled from the flight and my family aside from us so it was like this really weird thing how we only landed on that plane and then before i'm leaving i look and i find uh, a little toy and i was trying to give it back to the mother i couldn't find her and the funny thing is that i looked under the seat and we actually left our ipad there but i couldn't find my ipad but i found the baby toy so I took that as a sign and I went with it. Like literally the next day I went off my birth control and I took it, I, I took it all the way. I had the best, best year of my life. And I really want to thank you for that. I, I really always mention your name everywhere I go that you really did so much for me. And I, and I have endless gratitude for that. Thank you uh, so much, Kaya. That It was a privilege. And thank you so much for coming on here to inspire so many for being so raw and vulnerable and revealing personal parts of yourself. I think you're going to be able to change so many people's trajectories and how they come out feeling after birth and that will change how they feel as a mother in general. Yeah, if I can even change one person's life and make them feel empowered to be able to take the next step. Um, post-birth trauma would be my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Yolwedit Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience. 